He grew up in the oil fields of West Texas. He's been all over the Western Hemisphere, a radio and TV veteran, former restaurateur, and a cowboy at heart. He's Earl Farrell, and he calls Memphis home because Memphis is cool. This This is the Earl Farrell for Memphis show, brought to you by Southern Security, your home team credit union, and by Kathy Thurman Edwards State Farm Insurance. And now, here's your host, Earl Farrell. And thank you very much, and uh, welcome in on this hot Friday. Every day this week, I've said this hot day, whichever day it was, hot, but it definitely is that today. I was uh, looking at the thermometer in my car on the way into the studios, 102 degrees, ladies and gentlemen. And if you're planning on attending Michael McDonald and the Doobie Brothers tonight at the Live at the Garden, I suggest you start hydrating now. <laughs> I'd get a big bucket of water, poke some holes in the bottom of it, hold it over your head for the rest of the night, because it's going to be a... A hot one. Uh, still more and more uh, fallout coming from the debates and uh, who was watching who and who won and who's uh, who's the big winner, who's the big loser, and uh, the mugshot and uh, Trump making money. What, what a classy move that was. I mean, he, he knew there was nothing he could do, but he knew they were going to take a mugshot this time. So he went out and uh, copyrighted his picture as, as soon as they took it. <laughs> And got it to his people. They put it up on coffee mugs, T-shirts, bumper stickers. And so he turned uh, uh, lemons into lemonade immediately. But that's the kind of guy he is. I mean, you know, if you see something's going to a certain direction, then uh, you get on the bandwagon. And that's what he did. Can't stop it. So let's go with it and see what we can do with it. Um, The numbers continue to rise with the people watching the Trump uh, Tucker Carlson video. And... uh, the uh, the spin that Fox is trying to put on their big uh, Republican debate uh, is not working. I mean, it, it, it just keeps coming out that uh, the numbers just aren't there. They did what they did in 2016 when Trump didn't participate before. Uh, 12 million viewers then, 12 million viewers this time. Uh, Fox debate ratings disaster, 50% drop since the 2016 election. And the other thing is I thought was really interesting. Why would they prohibit any other news networks from playing sound bites from the debate. You'd think they'd want as much uh, uh, publicity over that, the fact that uh, there was a good debate, uh, there were some really interesting things that were said during the debate, and yet they were all embargoed from using any of the sound or the video except for Fox and Fox Radio. Uh, I don't know. But then they also, this is the same outfit that fired Tucker Carlson and... Um, uh, Megan and uh, a bunch of other people over there they also fired Todd Starnes. I mean, these guys are, are uh, not the brightest pencils in the box. Look how many good people they've had and lost. And then yet they continue to pull these boneheaded maneuvers, and uh, it just keeps uh, racking up bad points for them. But, you know, just because you're in charge doesn't mean you know what you're doing. How many times have you seen that in your life? Well, he's the boss. Does that make him smart? Not necessarily. Um, the news first Republican primary debate got a terrible response from American television viewers with the broadcast losing about half of the audience. The uh, Fox's kickoff debut had uh, during the 2016 election. According to Nielsen, an estimated 12.8 million people watched Wednesday's Republican debate, but that's a decline of almost 50% for more than 24 million people who tuned in when Trump appeared in his first presidential debate in August 2015. That's because he was there barbecuing Hillary. <laughs> that was a great debate. Uh, 
the Trump effect was again witnessed in January 2016 Republican primary debate hosted by Fox and that Trump also skipped. That debate also drew about 12.5 million. Trump said he boycotted the Republican debate this week for a number of reasons, including his large lead over the GOP rivals in the polls. He also expressed disappointment in the Republican National Committee awarding the first two debates to Fox News, a network that has been openly hostile to him of late. The chairman of Fox, billionaire Rupert Murdoch, claimed in a 2021 email he was seeking to make Trump a non-person. <laughs> Good luck. Uh, the network has been openly supporting Ron DeSantis' candidacy for the 2024 primary. Meanwhile, Trump has been praising Newsmax and appearing regularly on the network. At a July Turning Point conference, Trump mentioned uh, Fox News drawing widespread boos from the conservative audience. Trump then plugged Newsmax. So that's his new go-to. And uh, Tucker Carlson. They've got a good relationship. And they both have a common enemy, Fox. And uh, the more that it continues, the more Fox continues to uh, to go down. Uh, the Also, the fallout from the sheriff's deputy who shot and killed the motorist who uh, the deputy knew he had a weapon. The, the, the person that the deputy pulled over in traffic said he had a weapon in the car. He got out. I think the biggest mistake that was made in all this, aside from the the uh, motorist who tried to run over and kill the deputy, uh, is the sheriff's deputy because he should have handcuffed the motorist as soon as he got him out of the car when he said he had a gun in the car. That's kind of standard operating procedure, and I don't care who you are. Even if you've got a permit to carry or anything else, you get out, you handcuff the subject until you see exactly what the situation is, maybe even call in backup because your first responsibility is the safety of the person you've detained or pulled over and your own personal safety and the safety of the public. And uh, that the Debbie probably, and it could very well be that he was – you know, as so many uh, law enforcement are wary of doing what they should be doing because of the optics of a situation. And uh, in this, if you've watched the video, and you can go to our Facebook page or the website there at kwamradio.com, the video's there, and watch it from beginning to the end. There's also three, a total of three videos. The lawyer that the, the family has uh, hired to sue the city once again or the county this time uh, is uh, you, you watch it, and the deputy was very polite. The, the motorist was very polite at first, but he did tell him almost off the bat, I've got a weapon in there, and it's loaded. Um, said, that's uh, what the, was the name of the motorist, was killed by a sheriff's deputy on June 24th, according to the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation. A deputy pulled him over near Rosewood, and got into an altercation with the deputy and drove off with the deputy in tow. The deputy later shot Husband, who died at the hospital. Uh, for transparency, our office uh, is incorporating a new practice where we try to release video in a timely manner as long as it does not compromise integrity of investigation, said Shelby County District Attorney Steve Mulroy. In the past, the video has not been released until the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation, the TBI, has completed its investigation. Our goal is to speed up that process by showing video as soon as possible, but we are sure it won't compromise the investigation. The release of Jarvon Hudspeth video is evidence our office's new practice. Uh, 
Uh, the whole two months after this tragic shooting took the life of Jarvon Husband, the public is finally seeing video of the, of the unnecessary and senseless actions by law enforcement that led to his death. Uh, this is attorney Ben Crump. Now listen, this is his description of what happened. From the initial stop to the shot that killed Javon, every single choice made by this officer was reckless, ultimately deadly. The video clearly shows the officer voluntarily climbed into the vehicle. That's not, he was trying to stop this guy from getting in there and getting his gun. But I guess you were there, Mr. Crump, and you know everything. All you're looking for is money. Ultimately, uh, this turned out to be a deadly situation. The video clearly shows the officer voluntarily climbing in the vehicle, potentially put himself into harm's way. And for what? Javon's mother was informed by officials and the officer ran his license and registration, which came back clean. To this day, more than 60 days later, we do not know the initial reason for this deadly stop. That's because he tried to run over and kill the deputy. And uh, Javon's not there because he uh, was shot and killed trying to drag the deputy to death on the side of his car. I mean, watch the video. Uh, he can, uh, Crump can say whatever he wants, but uh, are you going to believe him uh, or what you see in a video? I guess it's uh, another case of, uh, you know, uh, if uh, you, you listen to one person, but I, I, I say don't listen to anybody. Look at the video. Tell me what you see. And uh, But I do think the deputy probably should have handcuffed him the minute he got out, out of the car and he found whatever that was wrapped in foil in his pocket. We never did find out what that was. I'm sure it'll all come out in the investigation, but, uh, the, it, it, if you just look at, and I've been around, uh, situations like this my entire career in covering news. And if the police tell you to stop and get out of the car, do not argue with them. Don't make any fast moves. Do not get back in your car. Attempt to, if he knows that there's a gun in there, because that's how you get shot. And I think that's exactly what happened here. He thought he was going back in his car to get his gun. And as soon as the deputy started trying to, to get him, to pull him back out of the car, the, the subject put the car in gear, revved up the engines, and peeled out. And then all you see after that is the deputy rolling over and over again after he got drug off the side of the car. And if you don't think anything happened to the deputy, take to go see this hospital. His leg is like pudding. And he may never walk again. It's amazing that he even survived. Anyway, we're going to take a quick break, uh, and then we'll be right back. Uh, stay with us. And welcome back on a hot, hot Friday afternoon. Uh, this heat advisory is going to be in effect till about 6 a.m. Saturday morning. So there you go. Uh, no uh, relief in sight. So I would continue to hydrate. Uh, and uh, check your air conditioners. A lot of people think if you just turn them down lower, it'll cool better. You actually reach a point where you can actually freeze up your coils. So try to avoid that. I mean, even though uh, it is very hot and you're thinking, well, I got to get it cooler in here. I'm dying. Uh, you got to be careful because once it freezes up, you have to turn it all the way off and let it all the ice, your condensers and all melt before it'll become functional again. And if you think you can just call uh, some AC people out to work on your unit right now, guess what? They're busy. And uh, that's the state of that uh, situation. Uh, the Depending on who you talk to, uh, DeSantis performed best in the GOP debate, of course, uh, in this article. Uh, uh, it, other people think that it was uh, Nikki Haley. Other people think it was uh, Tim Scott. So... It just depends on who you're there. Now, 
uh, Ben Dieter was there, and uh, Ben watching in uh, there in the hall is different than watching on TV because although I did hear the the booze quite clearly when uh, when Chris Christie made some comments that the <laughs> people weren't happy with, but your impression of of the whole uh, night from your vantage point there in Milwaukee. Well, I think Chris Christie's job was really to add some entertainment because, Earl, let's face it, without Chris Christie, who else was the antagonist? <laughs> there was one. Nor there was anybody who had a sense of humor. <laughs> no. And, no. And he was the, they, that was the only time I laughed during the entire time was when he got booed twice. I thought it, it was hilarious. And what about Mike Pence? I mean, typically he sounds like my pastor. Yeah. But he was being a little, well, I'm stinky. not going to say that. He was yeah. being a little stinky. Nasty. A little, yeah. Which only, I tell you what, that's when you really find out what somebody's really like. And that may be why his wife never lets him out of her sight. Have you ever noticed that? (laughs) Isn't that the rumor? (laughs) That he's not allowed to sit down or go out of the house? Ever since he was uh, the vice president (laughs) nominee with Trump, he said, I will never go anywhere without my wife. Because remember, there have been several uh, national figures that, have gotten in trouble during uh, political campaigns, national political campaigns, and he made it clear, I will not attend anything that my wife is not there. Now, at the time, we thought it maybe was because all these women were going after Mike Pence, and after being around him for a little bit, you go, I don't think that's the problem. <laughs> I, think, I think she's there to go, Mike, you're being nasty again. Yeah, Don't be mean. Not uh, Prince Charming. Yeah. Prince so, Boring. Well, and he... he Pretty boring is uh, kind of thing, but that's who Trump wanted. He wanted somebody to just yeah. uh, show up and go to the funerals, and that's what vice presidents normally do. And then you get uh, Kamala Harris, and they were hoping she could just come in and uh, keep her yap shut and go to the <laughs> funerals, but as it turns out, she can't say anything. It doesn't sound like uh, she's just making stuff up. So uh, then, then the whole thing that with the uh, Trump um, media circus yesterday – it's just been unbelievable. Uh, he didn't address the uh, media right after his arrest. Uh, cut one. I really believe this is a very sad day for America. This should never happen. If you challenge an election, you should be able to challenge an election. I thought the election was a rigged election, a stolen election, and I should have every right to do that. As you know, you have many people that you've been watching over the years do the same thing, whether it's Hillary Clinton or Stacey Abrams or many others. When you uh, have that great freedom to challenge, you have to be able to, otherwise you can have very dishonest elections. What has taken place here is a travesty of justice. We did nothing wrong. I did nothing wrong. And everybody knows it. I've never had such support. And that goes with the other ones, too. What they're doing is election interference. They're trying to interfere with an election. There's never been anything like it in our country before. This is their way of campaigning. And this is one instance, but you have three other instances. It's election interference. So I want to thank you for being here. We did nothing wrong at all. And we have every right, every single right, to challenge an election that we think is dishonest, that we think it's very dishonest. So thank you all very much, and I'll see you uh, very soon. Thank you. And then uh, he dropped on Newsmax, uh, addresses the indictment and Giuliani cut two. And I think what's happening is there's really been a backlash against it. I've seen tremendous backlash, not only on your show, and you've been so incredible, but on so many shows that you wouldn't even think about it, and and articles uh, where even Democrats say, don't do it, don't do it, please. You're making a terrible mistake. 
but I, you know, I went through an experience today that I never thought I'd have to go through. But yet, I've gone through the same experience three other times in my whole life. I didn't know anything about indictment, and now I've been indicted like four times, and all by the radical left. And it's in coordination, absolutely in coordination with the Justice Department. So, Mr. President, you, you're unique. You can, uh, you can take it. I want to. We got a picture of the 19, I think, co-defendants, and you know, some of them, you know, they're not possibly built like you. Some of them are just ordinary people. Uh, you got some people who just wrote a letter or wrote a memo, and now they've been charged and booked and all that stuff. And you know, some people, I think Rudy Giuliani, you know, he can, uh, he almost lives for it. I admire him so much. Um, how do you view these 19? Do you view them? Are you in this together? Uh, they say co-defendants, and uh, like, how do you view them? Are you are you one team? And also, I think they're trying to make this trial happen in October, uh, which sounds kind of crazy. Well, they wait three years to do it, and they take their time. Everything takes their time, and this is only not only here, but also deranged Jack, who is uh, absolutely he's like a lunatic. He's gone crazy. <laughs> But they waited years to get the, you know, to go through a case. And then they drop it right in the middle of the election when I'm leading Biden, Biden by five or six points at least. And But right in the middle of the election, they drop it. And I, I tell you, you just said something that's uh, very true. I looked at some of the other mugshots. Can you believe it? And uh, Rudy's a tough guy, and Rudy can handle it. He's greatest mayor, and your father was the greatest police commissioner. But the greatest mayor in the history of the city of New Rudy shouldn't be going through this. He didn't do anything wrong. You know, he's the one, and we all are the ones that question the election. And then uh, Georgetown University law professor Jonathan Turley on the Trump indictment cut six. What happened in 1960 with John Kennedy in Hawaii and alternate electors uh, chosen? I think this is criminalizing the challenging of elections. Uh, basically, you have a Democratic prosecutor saying, how dare you challenge a Democratic victory? Well, it's been done before by Democrats. And the whole case is based on this theory that Donald Trump really didn't mean it. Well, neither did those, even if that were true, neither did those Democrats. They challenged Trump's election on no grounds at all. I mean, many of these past challenges were very, very thin. But in Donald Trump's case, he insists that he does believe that Georgia could have been flipped with a recount. And the way that she portrayed that phone call uh, to Raffensperger, I think, is really evidence of the bias and unfairness of aspects of this indictment. You know, it is it makes perfect sense when you're challenging an election to say, you know, I only need around 11,000 votes. So if you do a statewide review, that's not a lot in a state like Georgia. That's not criminal. That's making a case for a recount. Unless you're a Republican. All right, we got to take a quick break. Then we're going to check in with Bob Nay, get his thoughts on the indictments uh, and the debates. So stay with us. We'll be right back. Now, back to the Earl Farrell for Memphis show, brought to you by Southern Security, your home team credit union, and by Kathy Thurman Edwards State Farm Insurance. Once again, Earl Farrell. Welcome back. 
got Bob Nay on the phone from his home in uh, Indiana and Ohio. I'm sorry. I, I, I committed a huge faux pas there, Bob. Bob, are you there? That would have been unforgivable <laughs> faux pas. I went to OSU, but you're okay with Indiana. Yeah, I like Indiana. It's, uh, That's the home of Mike Pence. Yes. So. It's a very steady, solid, uh, not flashy. Uh, mm-hmm. Just like Mike Pence, he was, he was anything but flashy uh, during the debate yeah. the other night. You, th- you think? <laughs> <laughs> According to this uh, this Washington Post poll, uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis performed the best of the first GOP presidential debate. Um, he was he was uh, the Vivek Ramaswamy at twenty nine percent to twenty six, according to a poll conducted by the Washington Post. Uh, former South Carolina governor and U.N. ambassador Nikki Haley came in third with 15. Mike Pence, 7%. New Jersey Governor Chris Christie and Tim Scott, uh, 4% each. Former Governor Asa Hutchison and North Carolina Governor Doug Burgum, 1% each. How did you rate them? Well, a little bit different. Now, uh, and I just want to say, I don't know Burgum at all. <clears throat> Nobody does. <laughs> Nobody yeah, does. Yeah, he's, and you know. It's my job to follow politics. Did it for a forty-year period, and plus I do it for the media. And if you'd have asked me last week, uh, where is Doug Burgum? I, I don't know. <laughs> Memphis? I I don't know. So anyway, and you know he's, okay, he's, yeah, he's he spent twenty million dollars of his own money on his campaign. You know, I wish people would say that about me. Man, they spent twenty million. <laughs> <laughs> if they just say they spent ten thousand, yeah. but. Um, yeah, uh, he he was nowhere on it. And Asa Hutchinson is a friend of mine, and his brother Tim. I served with both. I'm wonderful people. You know, I just it's sort of like that speech you give on the floor of the house. My friend from Massachusetts, but, but you know, but he, he <laughs> and he is he, Asa is just seriously a wonderful human being. And but you know, he 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 went nowhere. Also, poor Asa, in the sense that in those debates. It's it's a blood sport. You got to jump in there. Yeah, you know you're not going to get a break off of these people. Oh, by the way, before I go on, I think the most juvenile thing I've ever seen in a long time. Raise your hands. Raise your hands. Yeah, you know that was absolutely bizarre. You know, at best. And you know who uh, I, who I bet would not have raised his hand is is Donald Trump. Yeah, Trump. <laughs> he was never yeah, raised then, his hand. Then the Republican National Committee, in its wisdom, only let certain. Uh, entities carry that thing, so you know it didn't go everywhere. But no. anyway, back to the to the people. Yeah, I I would rate that Mike Pence way underperformed. Uh, he he tried to kind of be just an old style, you know, um, mom, mom apple pie and God. No. Uh, but he, you know, I served with Mike too. He, he's a great you know guy and <clears throat> outstanding type of guy. But he didn't go anywhere. Chris Christie. No matter what he does, he's so far down the rabbit hole when it comes to Trump. You know, he's getting no traction. No. Now, the only way, <clears throat> the only, and Tim Scott, you know, accomplished senator, but, you know, he he's uh, he didn't shine. The only three I would do a different order, you had DeSantis, Vivek Ramaswamy, and Nikki Haley. I would do it a little different. I would do Nikki Haley, Ramaswamy, and DeSantis. That's the way I would do it. Uh, and I kind of have to agree with you because uh, uh, I thought that uh, Nikki really did, uh, was very compelling, and she uh, didn't let them overpower her. 
right. and she really came down on Ramaswamy saying, "Are you you're right. out of your mind, basically, uh, and you have no knowledge of foreign affairs." And uh, he really didn't have anything to say to that coming back. Well, you could see her and Pence. It was obviously <clears throat> people coaching them said, "Go after Ramaswamy." It was obvious because yeah. Ramaswamy. <clears throat> um, oh, by the way, just as a matter of disclosure, because. I don't want anybody listening to the show Google this and say, Bob didn't tell you, Earl, that he's a shill for <laughs> Ramaswamy. <laughs> um, ben Yoho uh, is running Ramaswamy's campaign. Ben worked on my campa- campaign as a volunteer when he was probably 14 or 15, and he went on to work for me and then the Speaker of the Ohio House eventually, and uh, then became president of a major uh, media company. And so I'm not coordinating anything with Ben. I just wanted to Throw but, that out there, but you yeah, did you did teach him everything you know. <laughs> yeah, well, Corey Lewandowski too, and then Trump fired him and hired Manafort, and Manafort met with the Russians. There what you can go. I say? <laughs> can you say? say with my with my choice? <laughs> but um, the uh, Ramaswamy got two. There, I, I think there's two things you don't do. At least two things. One is don't do a broad brush. You're all bought. I'm not. You know, was what he did. And then the other thing, he didn't do this, but in Debates. Unless they do something really, really outrageous, don't say you're a liar. You know, yeah. you're, you're disingenuous. You're not telling the truth. But, but he did that broad brush. You're all bought. You know, yeah. and paid for. Can't do that. But otherwise, you know, he came out of nowhere. Ramaswamy came out of nowhere. And I must say that he's got a personality to him. He's smart. Uh, got out of college. He had made fifteen million by the time he was out of college. And uh, parents came broke from India, you know, um, got a story to tell, nice family, et cetera. Very smart guy, Harvard and Yale. Um, but Nikki Haley, she's got, you know, she's got a little bit more of the experience. Now, they were kind of making fun of Ramaswamy too young. I, I don't know. <laughs> Call me old-fashioned, but let's not <laughs> stop having 85-year-old people. I, I love 85-year-old people. My dad lived in 99, but, you know. We weren't running the country. President. Yeah. We didn't exactly. Right. Well, and I'll tell you something. That was my take on them, you know. And I think there are so many young people at this point that are looking for some somebody that they can believe in. And uh, right. having seen some of our senior uh, politicians operate, I don't think they have a lot of confidence in many of them. And, uh, well, it's true. And I think that what they're hoping for is these young, fresh faces maybe haven't been overly exposed or corrupted. I mean, I think everybody's looking for the corruption to end. I mean, that's just, mm-hmm. it is, mm-hmm. everything, everywhere you look, you, you, you got the Democrats trying to ramrod uh, Trump into prison just because they don't like him and, and mm-hmm. doing, and they're trying to stick him in jail for the same thing that uh, Clinton did, that, uh, uh, you know, it's just, and you, and you sit there and go, man, this is getting fed up. I did see where uh, Sarah Palin said the U.S. Civil War is going to happen if they keep this up over Trump. Uh, I don't know whether it's going to be a civil war, but I do think people yeah. are very, very angry. I don't think it's going to be a civil you know, civil war. Uh, the, you know, the Cleveland Plain Dealer ran uh, in Ohio. Uh, the newspaper ran Trump's mugshot front page. Um, and they made it clear that they don't normally print mugshots at all. But this is historic, you know, blah, blah. I don't know. I just doing that, you know, news entities doing that. I don't think 
uh, helps Trump. I mean, I don't think it hurts Trump. I don't either. I really don't. I think this thing is now to the point where even if he has done something new, let's say next week they got a new charge, it's too much. It's yeah. almost like we're going to throw out 90, add 40 more, and see if we can get one. Because, you know, you only need one charge to stick yeah. out of 90. One. And that's probably 10 years. Now, George's the jackpot. That's where he would have to actually serve. The governor cannot pardon, mm-hmm. pardon or commute a right. sentence. But um, I, I had a call today, or it was interesting, a friend of mine from India, and he asked me about the elections, and he said, can't you find somebody in America beyond a Clinton or a Bush or a Trump or a Biden, you know? And I said, well, you know, these are how the cards are falling now. But he said, well, you know, Trump will lose. And I said, wait a minute. And he was in shock. I said, it's it's tied. Biden and Trump, you know, after four indictments, yeah. is, is a dead heat. Now, Trump is toxic with the independents. Nikki Haley or Ramaswamy could, I think, handily. I'm not sure about DeSantis. He just he's just he's just not with it like he should be. But Haley and Ramaswamy, I think in the end, could absolutely you know, I I bet money they would beat Biden. Um I wouldn't bet against Trump. I just think Ramaswamy or Haley with a cleaner slate right now, you know, would do it easier. Biden's in trouble, and Kamala Harris is his anchor. That's that pure and simple his anchor. And I, Earl, I went to a high school reunion of a bunch of people that were raised Democrats, because my area was. But person after person I met that weekend went on about Kamala Harris, not Joe Biden, that they can't stand the thought of her as president of the United States. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. What does your friend uh, in, from India uh, think about Ramaswamy? I mean, because we've talked before about how much India loves America, the United States, and yeah. watches carefully, and why we haven't courted India more than we have tried to do well, with China. Yeah, it's terrible. Now, India is in this relationship with BRICS, you know, uh, Brazil, Russia, India, China. They just added Saudi Arabia and Iran. We're over there begging Saudi Arabia to talk to Israel, uh, Biden is, and Saudi Arabia is going to say, oh, you want it that bad? Here, you need to give us something so we yeah. talk to Israel. And uh, meanwhile... The Iranians and the Saudis are doing a deal with the Chinese and the Russians yeah. for, for develop, you know, development money. But <laughs> my friends in India are a little bit jaded. And, and my friend, his name is Vikas, and we were all traveling, about seven of us, up to the uh, region near China. And he turned to me and he said, you know what? He said, when Kamala Harris got elected vice president of the United States, he said, we were in the streets with fireworks. Kids were, you know, taking pictures, uh, copy them off the internet and taking them to school. He said, we had parades. She's part, said, part then, Indian, right? Yeah, right. And, and then he said, you know, <laughs> she never came over here. She never even says she's Indian. <laughs> and he said, she never mentions it. He said, what was wrong with us? That's what he said. Yeah. We missed, we missed, she hasn't made official trips to India. We have missed the boat. India is very, very, you know, important to us. Yeah. So, I don't think that they're, I don't know, Ramaswamy, I'm not so sure they're excited because they kind of got stung by... Kamala. Uh, Kam- yeah, they did. They yep. got stung by her. It's sad. But he is very quick to point out of his Indian heritage and very proud of it. So that's... Oh, yes. At least he, that, he, he never heard that from Kamala. Right. He's proud of it. He's addressed 
the issue of, of God, and because, you know, some of the evangelicals, you know, that they, he's Hindu, you know how that runs. Yeah, they think that like it's, it's <laughs> I mean, a different God. End, <laughs> yeah, but well, in the end, the whole, the whole deal is this. If you got Ramaswamy, this is why, if you got Ramaswamy and you got Biden, and you're an evangelical, mm, I think I'll go with the Hindu <laughs> instead of the Delaware Catholic. Yeah, I hear you. you know? uh, we're talking to Bob Knight. We've got to take a quick break, come back, and we'll uh, talk about the Trump uh, arrest and mugshot and uh, how much this is going to affect his. I think he's going to go up in the polls again. We'll talk about it when we come back. And welcome back on a hot, hot Friday afternoon. 102 out there. Hot. On the phone with me is Bob Nay from his home in Ohio. Is it hot up there, Bob? Yes, a tiny bit of a breeze. <laughs> uh, there are people that say it's it's a hundred all over the country. I guess. Well, yeah, but it's a hundred and twenty in Georgia. Wow, that's no, the, that's because of Trump. Because <laughs> it's it, <laughs> right. it is a hot potato. Yeah, uh, your what was your take on the way that whole thing went down and uh, the way he handled the mugshot and immediately came out with that as a marketing tool. Well, that was, uh, that was a lot of genius because, you know, you, you get a mug shot. Nobody wants their mug shot. They don't want it in the paper. You know, nobody does. And uh, he, I, I believe he probably practiced that look a lot. I think he did. He, he wanted that look. And then they turned around and they put it out there. It, you know, instead of, like, letting the, quote, opposition do it first they they went ahead and they ran with it and then made it like a souvenir and you know people will buy t-shirts and things and now there's something else going on in georgia that is actually fascinating the governor uh signed a law and uh in that law uh, in georgia and it was it was because of all these george soros and the liberal prosecutors you know around the country right like if you look at what's going on in california in the stores it's just it's just disgusting they they know they're not going to be arrested they just walk in and take everything off the shelves destroying people's businesses well in georgia they wanted to kind of stop that and so if there's reasons that they somebody uh you know is doing something in unfair in the law then they have law now, and there's a move by Georgia Republicans to remove Willis, get the Trump case thrown out, all right? And it's State Senator Clint Dixon. He's accusing the DA of prosecuting the ex-president to become, quote, a sort of a leftist celebrity, and he's going to call upon a newly formed committee of political appointees to take action against her and remove her. Now, the governor signed this bill that created this uh, the commission. So, um, what the professor? This is very fascinating, um, Earl. The professor of law at Georgia State University. All right. Right. His name is Clark Cunningham. On MSNBC, he said there is a one hundred percent chance it's going to happen. Wow. A hundred percent. Well, you know, now, DeSantis did it to a, to a, a prosecutor mm-hmm. in Florida, and then the St. Louis prosecutor was fired. Right. Now, if this happens, of course it's just going to ignite, you know, a furor across this country here and there, you know, on uh, the, the side of the, you know, of the Democrat side, of course. Uh, 
But uh, if it happens and Trump is not in the hot seat in Georgia, because Georgia's the precarious problem. They have, you know, all these co-defendants. They're trying to take them all at the trial at one time. They're going to turn them is what they're going to do. That's what they're trying and to once do. They, they're going to turn them. And the, the one thing when I got in trouble, Earl, that I had to really, really, really watch, and my lawyers practically smacked me across the face with this, they said, the government tries to do two things, perjury or obstruction of justice. Yeah. Unless it comes to a president who purges himself in the government. Yeah. Justice Department doesn't do anything. But perjury or just or, you know obstruction of justice, and you've got to be careful with that. So. Both of them. Well, absolutely. They'll try to turn people, yeah. Uh, well, maybe we're going to keep a very close eye on this. the first I've heard of it, though. Thank you for bringing that up, Bob Nay. Always interested. I know you got another radio show to do, but I appreciate you tuning in with us. Okay. Thank you. We'll talk again soon. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be right back. Stay with us. He grew up in the oil fields of West Texas. He's been all over the Western Hemisphere, a radio and TV veteran, former restaurateur, and a cowboy at heart. He's Earl Farrell, and he calls Memphis home because Memphis is cool. This This is the Earl Farrell for Memphis show, brought to you by Southern Security, your home team credit union, and by Kathy Thurman Edwards State Farm Insurance. And now, here's your host, Earl Farrell. And thank you very much, and welcome back on a very hot Friday afternoon. Joining me in the studio is Mike Adamson. He's taking a break. Uh, he's going to be refereeing some uh, football, high school football action tonight. And uh, it's going to be hot out there on the football field. I think it's going to be a little warm tonight. Uh, on my car, when I came in at uh, 2 o'clock today, it was 102. It's, it's probably in that range right now. It's a heat index right now that just kills us, even more than that. It, yeah, it really does. I mean, it, uh, does it say what the heat index is? What feel, I, the real feel right now? If you keep talking, I'll find that answer out for Because you. it's, uh, you know, they say it's really not that hot, but if it feels that hot, I mean, rea- what's reality? What does it feel like? Well, we're not too bad. It's only 107 with the heat index right now. Well, that's not bad. It could be <laughs> 114, 120. Last something. night, I had a ball game, and it was uh, it, it, about an hour before it was 113. So. Wow. And uh, it was pretty warm. It dropped down in time. They, they can't, for high school football, they can't start a game when the heat index is above 105. So, so uh, they're not going to start your game until, what, 8? Eight? 8 o'clock. And almost, I bet, 90% of the games in the area, if there's one that didn't, I'd be surprised, but most of them moved them to uh, 8 p.m. See, when I was a player, I used to look at them and go, Hey, coach, let's wait another 15 minutes. <laughs> and, and then they'd make you drink some salt tablets at the same time. They, well, they gave us uh, salt tablets, but they wouldn't let us drink any water. Yeah. And it, it, not until the end of the game or end of the practice. And they said that made us tougher. I, I have to admit, I'm still here. There's good points. I, I think the key to hydration, though, is not during the game. It's, it's what you do beforehand. That's right. <laughs> Because uh, if you start drinking during the game, it, other than Gatorade and yeah. your electrolytes. And it, it's going to help you some. Um, in, in the electro, ah, electrolytes are very important, but it, it's, it's being hydrated beforehand that becomes important. So, so tell me about hot dogs. If you eat a hot dog like at halftime, does that help you or hurt you in this kind of heat? Well, I'll tell you, many times I need something to eat at halftime just because you, you Energy get, burn, yeah, yeah. You get drained. Uh, it's probably always better to eat healthy food. But I'll take a good hot dog there, halftime there, anytime. There's no healthy food <laughs> at a football game. That's I really do. I, it's, some of the places uh, have some really good food for us at halftime, and then others you're not, lucky. Not if, so much. You're lucky if you get a plastic bottle that hadn't been sitting there for three years. I know that I used to go to the all the Liberty Bowl games and the press box. Sometimes the hot dogs would be cooked. 
Mm-hmm. Sometimes <laughs> not so much. <laughs> the uh, when when I worked the Memphis games, they they feed us and they bring us a box lunch. Box lunch. That's the good part. But if you get to go up to the press box, that's where they have the catered food and yeah. stuff like that. And so we're not supposed to be there, but you, we're on that same floor. So we just kind of, hey, how you doing? All right, yeah. And they start going, hey, get, get you some food. Okay. <laughs> or on the hot days like it is right now, that's a good place to go because it's air conditioned. Yeah, it has air conditioning. In the, because, and then they open up those windows and let all the air conditioning out because they want to hear the sounds of the, of the stadium out there. Yeah. It, I tell you what is when you go at the, at the Liberty Bowl when you're up in those the press box it is pretty I mean you're so high up there but it's a pretty cool view when you're looking down on the field. It is and and uh, the Liberty Bowl is really a good people complain about it and stuff but if you've ever been to the Rose Bowl and saw what a dismal situation that is but on TV it looks great. Yeah, it's it's actually just, it's a big stadium and uh, I, I I like it. I'm sure there's things that. Everybody would like it to be better, but I think it's a fun, fun environment. And when the more people there, the better it is usually. Yeah, always. And we have some big crowds. Now, uh, the games tonight, you got several games are playing NFL games tonight. You got the preseason. They're, yeah. coming, they're closing down. They're starting to uh, make, make the big make, decisions on who's going to make the rosters. Playing time becomes a little bit more important. The starters start playing just a little bit more, but not enough to get them hurt. Now, although I did hear there's some wide receiver for Dallas that had a season-ending injury to a leg yesterday. Man, that, that, would, be, uh, that would not be good. It's not good for the team. It's obviously not good for the player. Um, but it's also part of the game. It's unfortunate that it happens, but um, you just hate it when it happens during practice. When I say meaningless, it's not that practice isn't important, but you want it to be at game time if, the, if it's going to happen. Well, he said that the Raiders and the Cowboys will be in a pregame tomorrow at 7 p.m. Yeah. And then uh, you get uh, preseason Jaguars and Cowboys uh, on the – that was the last week, uh, Jaguars and Cowboys. That was a 28-23 to 23 loss that the Cowboys had. And, again, losses don't ma- matter as yeah, much you know right what? now. I've never held with that. I mean, I want to win every game we play. Oh, I agree with you. I th- and I think they need to get that winning attitude going. That's yeah. very important. Yeah, because what they do is that, so they get a couple of losses, and, and the season hasn't even started yet, so we're already losers. Yeah, but, to, but at the same time, keep in mind, as I said last week, when, during preseason, they're also working on situations. So they, they want those third and tens. They hey, always what are say that, do? but I don't believe that. I, I, <laughs> I sit there and go, let's win one for the Gipper. How about the, that? I'd almost bet that most of the coaches have the first, definitely the first quarter, probably the whole first half, scripted on what they're going to play. What down when it's second down, this is what we're doing. Third down, this is what we're doing. Um, and again, it's just situational to see how people handle dif- different situations, how the quarterback handles different things. And yeah, you sound just like the coaches, man. You, you got, and I'm sitting there going. Play the good guys. I want to see the good guys play. When my brother gets interviewed on the on the radio, uh, before he starts talking, I always start saying everything he's going to say. And, and Deborah always goes, how do you know what he's going to say? Because they all say the same. <laughs> and we're going to get out there. We're going to give our best. And uh, with the good Lord will and the creek don't rise, uh, we should come out with a big uh, win. We've got to eliminate mistakes, uh, keep down fumbles. Uh, uh, got to get uh, more turnovers than they do. Get off that. Get off all that snap. You know, no lingering. And more important... <laughs> But of all else, we got to score more yeah. points. The key to the win is scoring more points than the other team. <laughs> As they say, oh, it was a moral victory. Yeah. I think most people would take a regular victory, a bad victory over a moral victory. I would. I, I don't <laughs> care where the morals are. Did we put more points up there on the board? Well, so today you got the Patriots and the Titans. That's at 715. 
I mean, so that would be uh, at the Titan. Is it in Houston? Or <laughs> Houston, sorry. Yeah, in Nashville. Nashville. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm still calling them the Oilers. Yeah, they are. And then you've got uh, another game starting at 7 o'clock, the Lions and the Panthers, and that'll be uh, at the Panthers. Again, I say the Lions could be the, they could be a little, uh, they could surprise people this year. I don't then, think they're going to the Super Bowl. No, I don't either. Uh, then at 9 o'clock, uh, so what time will your game, your game will be over yeah, what? Probably about 10, 15-ish. Well, you're going to miss this one because it uh, starts at uh, 9. Well, you might get to see second half. Yeah, be driving home. Yeah. Chargers and the 49ers. Uh and but uh, so when does the regular season start? Actually, is it September seventh, third? Yes, yeah, September seventh, I believe it is. So we got uh, and and then when does because uh, Dylan is uh, in the control room? Dylan, I know you're much more of a college uh, aficionado than an NFL. Yeah. When does the college uh, schedule begin? Uh, well, there's some games tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, Notre Dame versus Navy. That's always a huge first game. Yeah. Um, over I, over in Ireland, by the way. In yeah, yeah, and that's you guys awesome. want to go? Yeah, I would love to. You buying? <laughs> we actually, we 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 really had planned on going. That when as soon as that came out, shoot, I'm gonna go. Started looking at it. tickets aren't bad. All of a sudden, the airplane. I was like, yeah, I can deal with it. Then we started looking at places to stay, and everything was like double what it yeah, normally is it's because of the game. Yeah, and because uh, when we went there uh, six years ago, it was one of the least expensive trips I've taken. But, but you weren't there during the football game. I know. Yeah, we were going to go there for three days, then go to Scotland. You know, you think that Europe is because it's Europe. You think it's going to be cool right now. I was looking. Uh, my friend Ron Olson and his wife are going to a wedding. Her brother's getting married in in Italy. And I looked up today in Italy. You know what the temperature in Rome is going to be today? Oh no, it gets pretty warm. But a hundred degrees. And guess what? They don't have air conditioning yeah, in every building uh, in Italy. Very, very few. Yeah. Very few. And they don't put ice in your drinks either. Yeah. yeah. I, that's things that become very important. And then beer is like kind of lukewarm. Yeah, I, I like them cold. Yeah, but that's why they call them. <laughs> how would you like a cold one? They never say. How'd you like a warm beer? You want a lukewarm beer? <laughs> Who's up for a warm beer? Out on the boat. Hey, toss me a, a warm beer, would you? <laughs> yeah. Hey, could you heat that beer up a little bit more? <laughs> but you know, it foams up in your mouth the second it hits your. Yeah, and, and part of it, it, it does cool you down when it's cold. That's part of it. So yeah, and, and the uh, more you drink, the cooler you get. But I would sacrifice a little bit. I wouldn't mind being over. I like it over in Italy. Nice, nice area, nice place. I haven't been there, but I just heard that it was. I told Kathy I'd be glad to take her to Epcot there at Disney World. You see all the countries one day. <laughs> How'd that work? Well, I see. We went there, but uh, she found Epcot to be rather boring. Say, <laughs> so, hey, we spent five days uh, here. We spent five uh, days here. You want to go back to Paris? <laughs> <laughs> I, I was still laughing about, was it last week when we were talking about the guys that uh, got locked in at the Eiffel Tower? Yeah, the drunk Americans. <laughs> Wouldn't you know it? <laughs> well, they could make it work if they were from Texas. I, actually, De- Deborah's birthday was on Saturday, and there's a whole group of us, and we were having dinner, and I brought that story up. And the first thing people came up was, where were you, Mike? Yeah. You got an alibi? Uh, he doesn't have an alibi, but he is here today before he goes to a football game. We're going to take a quick break, come back, and uh, talk about some of the college games that are coming up and what the college season is going to look like this year. So stay with us. We'll be right back. And welcome back on a hot Friday afternoon. It was uh, 102 coming in. Mike Adamson is here in the studio. He looked up at the heat index of 114 right now. It's something we can handle. Yeah, we're sitting here in air conditioning. <laughs> so I said that. Yeah, we can handle it fine here. Uh, but tonight you'll be refereeing out in Millington, so that'll be kind of toasty. The big M&M bowls is what they call it. 
Mill- Mill- Millington versus Mumford. Ah, that is a big game. So it should be uh, should be a fun ball game. And then uh, we were just talking about this uh, college game this weekend: Navy versus Notre Dame in Ireland. Uh, and it'll be saying it's a fine day for football here in Ireland. I can't help but think that'd be a great, great, great atmosphere. Oh, it would be, man. Um, everybody there obviously have to be good football fans to be there. Um, obviously, a lot of Irish traditions going on. Uh, Irish football team. Oh, yeah, and you got the, the Irish shamrock is the part of the logo for the Irish. You can't go wrong with the leprechaun being there. They make them all use Irish spring soap <laughs> when they're in the showers there. I, when it's this hot, I hope they do. <laughs> and then Navy, uh, you know. And, and you know, I, th- I think a lot of people always complain, why is, why is Notre Dame playing Navy? And there's really, I, I don't know if you've heard that story before, but um, years and years and years ago, Notre Dame was about ready to fold, uh, go under the whole university. Because uh, they were broke? Yeah. yeah. And uh, the, the Naval Academy was, came in, came, helped them out, uh, got them back on their feet. And uh, ever since then, that's why Notre Dame and Navy play every year. And it's kind of a, I, I think it's a neat little story. So the, so the Navy saved them? Yes, they did. So what did they do? Did they uh, take up a collection or did they play that heavily on the game? You're getting a little bit more detail than I, I know. know. You don't have details, do you? <laughs> I just know the story. <laughs> that's all I know. It's like when, when I start telling Deborah's story and she starts asking questions. Yeah. Hey, See, that's the difference between a woman and a man, though. Like I, was, I ran into somebody today, and they said that uh, they were in a wheelchair down, and uh, Katie said, well, what's wrong? I said, I don't know. <laughs> you didn't ask why they were in a wheelchair? I said, I didn't want to know. I mean, you know, they that's, didn't tell that's me. personal. Yeah. She said, well, those are the questions women always want to know. Well, what happened? Why are you in the wheelchair? I said, I, I didn't want to know. And, and actually, those are always tough situa- situations. Cause yeah. You don't want to ask because you don't want to embarrass the person. Yeah. You want to ask because you respect. And from a guy's viewpoint, if they want me to know what's wrong, they'll tell me. <laughs> and if they don't, they want me to leave it a mystery, you know, like they were in a knife fight, make it sound better than they just fell off a curb and broke their hip. They'll let it go. And, and Deborah always appreciates it really well when I when I'm start telling a story and she's asking questions that I haven't got to yet. Yeah. And I'll say, just a second. She or, didn't like that. Or when Kathy's telling a story and she goes, to make a long story short, I said, I'll believe this when I hear it. <laughs> What's your idea of a <laughs> short? That, that goes over really well, doesn't yeah. it? She goes, well, now you remember Aunt Martha? I said, oh, we're going to go way back, aren't we? <laughs> well, no. Aunt Martha, who was friends with Billy, <laughs> yeah. who lived in here, blah, blah, blah. Now, who was Billy? Well, he'd he's here. not here anymore. Where'd he go? He died. That sometimes, and they get far off the story and you go no what were we talking about i don't know <laughs> good deflection i guess isn't it and then we sit there and go and so the point of the story is what well the point is they're not going to be there tonight okay <laughs> that's how you tell a short story <laughs> so the uh is notre dame is this there's talk that they're going to become a part of join one of the new conferences i i i I almost think it's going to have to happen with these big conferences coming up. That's just my guess. But they're strongly looking at the Big Ten. The ACC is obviously another big one. Um, they, they, they'd be a good fit in either one of them. Um, and I think for all those other schools, it would be a great benefit. But Is it sort of like uh, musical chairs? Everybody's uh, got a chair to sit down when they stop playing the music. They're, Notre Dame's afraid they're going to stop playing the music and there ain't going to be a chair? I think they're big enough that they're always going to have a chair. But I think the bigger and bigger these big conferences become – the smaller their pie is going to get. And that's people always forget. It's not about a pride or whatever. It comes down to dollar signs. And we forget that it's a business out there. 
and uh, and what they want a big contract, a TV contract. Yeah, and you know when Notre Dame does a TV contract, they get a hundred percent of it. When you're in a conference, you, you got to split that with with, every, with, with everybody. So what you're saying really is that Notre Dame is pretty pretty greedy over the years. Yeah, they have. It's, they <laughs> just like Texas was. Notre Dame was the first one to get a uh, a contract Network. with NBC. Yeah, and that was huge. And and then uh, Texas had their own station. And, uh, the, the, the Longhorn Network, which I hated because I could, we couldn't get the Longhorn Network here, or cable or satellite or anything. So all those games they would play, you couldn't watch them. Yeah, see, that one wasn't as good. Yeah. Like I said. NBC, it, you could get. Yeah, you could get it anywhere. And uh, good, bad, or ugly, that's why you got to see Notre Dame play. And then here recently, uh, CBS uh, Channel 3 has not been able to work out a deal with satellite or or yeah. dish, and so nobody's getting to see golf on CBS. They're not getting to see any of the football games on CBS. And I imagine that is very uh, upsetting to sports fans. Oh, yeah. Think about it. If you, you know, you're getting around, you got your team ready to play, and you turn on, and it There's goes a- up with that sign. <laughs> it says, please contact your local station. And tell them, work out a deal with the Dish Network. And, and again, you, we, we forget that all this stuff is about money. But, yeah. You know, it's entertainment, and... We want it because have, we've had it. Have you cut the cable yet, or do you have a cable or dish? I do not. I have. I probably have enough uh, pay stations that I could probably have a dish now. But I no. We 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 watch Netflix, and I usually during the football season I'll get some kind of one of the stations that so I can watch ESPN, and that allows me to get majority of the football stations and. All the other ones are on ABC, NBC, yeah. CBS, or Fox. One thing I do is I do have cable, and I do have the NFL Red Zone. Mm-hmm. Now, what I like about that is because I have a very short attention span. Yep. And so what you do is you start watching it. As soon as somebody's in the, the Red Zone, yep. uh, they'll cut to them. And then there are no commercials, mm-hmm. and it's just they just go from one game to the next. If somebody's getting ready to score, they go there until they score or switch back. Always showing the highlights. and In fact, when you know fantasy football is so big now, and if you're a fantasy football fan, the red zone's the way to watch it. Yeah. You can see all the games, you can see your guys scoring, see your other teams not scoring, uh, that kind of thing. So the red zone, it's it's a fun way to sit and watch. Unless it's Dallas, I'm going to watch every second of it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so. I, I still think part of the reason the NFL is so big on TV is the guys want to sit down, going to watch that game, going to watch that game. They watch the kickoff, they watch the first quarter, fourth quarter, <laughs> first quarter. They sleep through the second, third quarter, and they wake up in the fourth quarter. What, what happened? <laughs> Your wife said, who won the game? I don't know. Or she comes in and tries to turn the station. Hey, hey I'm watching this. I thought we could just watch one little bit of Hallmark, just the Hallmark, just for a minute. I can tell you what's going to happen in that movie. We don't know what's going to happen in this game yet. They're going to meet, then they're going to break up. She's going to be mad at him because he's a scoundrel. Then she finds out he's really not a scoundrel. <laughs> and they fall in love, and they get married, and everything turns out wonderful. And then it snows. Pretty, pretty much. About Every that. time. We're in the snow. <laughs> You know, one thing I like uh, when I'm watching a game on a uh, game on TV, I like the noise when you get to hear the crowd. I don't always care for the uh, announcers what I they're agree. saying because yeah. they're not they're not as smart as we are. No, um, but that noise from the crowd, and Deborah didn't like that. She didn't like the crowd no, noise. Can you turn that down? She's usually she's usually usually reading a book if I'm watching. Well, she could read a book anywhere. That's what I tell her. Yeah, and you can go in the other room. She goes, but I can still hear it. <laughs> I said, you make too you much noise turning the pages. Am, am I annoying you? <laughs> yes. Oh, you want me to turn it up? <laughs> but it is. It, just, it, it gives you that feeling of, yeah, kind of like you're there anyway, I guess. That's kind of what I like about uh, well, it. Well, in fact, when um, I remember the first game I went to at tech, the old Texas Stadium, mm-hmm. 
and you're so used to watching television, you get to see the replay. Well, this is back before they had the big screens <laughs> in the stadiums. And so the play would end, and you're looking around. I'm going, what am I looking for? The replay. Yeah. Because <laughs> after the play was over, you just had to wait, wait for the next play. And and the, you had the crowd noise, but you didn't have the, when you watch television, but not as good as you do in person. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, Randy Wright with the Dive Shop's coming. Can you hang around and talk uh, dive because you're a scuba guy? Sure. We're talking about the deeper you go, the cooler it gets. Sounds good. All right. We'll be back. <laughs> Now, back to the Earl Farrell for Memphis show, brought to you by Southern Security, your home team credit union, and by Kathy Thurman Edwards State Farm Insurance. Once again, Earl Farrell. And thank you very much, and welcome back. Joining us in studio is Randy Wright with the Dive Shop. Uh, Mike Adamson is still here. He's going to be uh, calling a football game tonight in uh, Millington. Nice. It's the M&M game, Millington and Munford. And uh, he, he, they're going to be yelling at him because you never make the right decision when you're a referee at uh, M&M game. You've never been to one of my games, have you? I, oh. I've heard about him. <laughs> I thought you thought he was going to be I thought he was going to be doing the play-by-play. No, no, no I good, guess good, you good, are, good, really. Yeah, yeah, good point. I am on the play-by-play. And uh, it, it gets yelled at a little bit, but not, not, not too much. Well, the, uh, I wanted to kind of hang around, though, because he's, uh, got, he got certified years ago. And awesome. On one of your cruises, right? Yeah, I did. I did the it, the beginning to scuba classes. Yeah, right. When, right. when you're on there, and you get you get to learn a little bit, but uh, never enough of what I know the detail that you would have in one of your classes. Right, right. Well, I mean, we do the long form still, so and we're still teaching the longest scuba class in the, the continental United States. So, how long is? Uh, well, generally, it's about 24 contact hours. You do about six hours of work online with the digital training system. You're going to spend about oh, three, four hours in the classroom over the course of the time that you're there with us, and the rest of the time spent in the water. Which is a lot shorter, though, when you think, because I know when I had to take sensitivity training, that <laughs> <laughs> was 80 hours. Yeah, and it didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even get certified. I wasn't going to say anything. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's funny because, you know, the one of the things that happened in the industry several years ago, and I'm talking 2530, is they started this idea of impediments to, to people taking the class. And one of the things they came up with was time. Um, and unfortunately, that results in a diver that doesn't feel safe and confident. And so they don't go. They don't stick with the sport. They're not thinking, you know, they, you know, they get some point to where they get a little fidgety and they go, wow, this is not really for me. And if somebody would just spend the time with them um, to put them through the, you know, the, the very basics of the sport and how it works, it would be something that they would feel confident in and move forward and probably make a lifestyle out of. Interesting you would bring that up because Mike and I were just talking about that. That Once he gets underwater, he's fine. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. That it's before he jumps into the water and once he's in the, on the surface of the water, bobbing up and down, he's mm-hmm. scared to death. Absolutely. There is, there's a threshold there. Yeah. yeah. Once you once I'm under and, you, and it's amazing how clear the water yeah. is, even when it's not clear, so to speak. Yeah. Um. It, it's just so so peaceful, and I do understand the importance of knowing what you're doing when you're Absolutely. down there, and that's where the I'm sure the time that you spend with them, uh, just like anything, the more comfortable you feel, the better you're going to enjoy it. Uh, you know, you know, you're you're sure. actually looking around, seeing Absolutely. things, and going, "Am I breathing right? Am I?" You know, you're so worried about, you know, at least I remember the first time that I did it, 
I'm worried, where's the instructor? Am I going off by myself? Is, you know, is the current going to come and take me? Those things really don't happen. They well, they, they really, well, there are places where it can happen. But if, as long as you're aware and you've got a good briefing, they're telling you what's going on, and you've got somebody that you trust that you're with, you know, one of the things, I, I don't know if anybody did this to you when you were little, but one of my favorite things to do when a friend came over is to open the closet door just a little bit, right, and turn the record player down on 64. and it's rawr, rawr, <laughs> Turn the lights out, and then you start talking about what might come out of the closet. So it makes those doorways kind of scary. Uh-huh. You know, that time when you're, you're in a new place and the lights are out and you open the door and you're looking down the hallway and uh, the music from whatever the last horror movie you saw comes into your mind. And there is a doorway. It's a threshold to get off the surface of the water. And until you're absolutely confident about your skills and those kinds of things, that can be very intimidating. And, and I think that's where I'm coming from. I, I've just done that beginner scuba class, haven't done anything in depth like you've done is that confidence when you're yeah. doing it. You know that, hey, I'm going to be all right. Like I said, when my head's above water, I'm sitting there going, mm-hmm. is my mask on right? Is, yeah, I'm worried about everything. Yeah. As soon as I'm underwater, hey, it's all working. And yeah. it, it just completely changes as soon as you're underwater. So it's the anxiety of, of actually going under. Yeah. Because you're thinking all the things that could go wrong, and once you get under and nothing's going wrong, you go, okay, I'm fine. Yeah, well, and that's it's a very common experience mm-hmm. for a lot of people. Who, who are better uh, students, men or women? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know what? There's no answer to that one. Um, it really is. It's not one or the other. I mean, I've, I've found some people just really adapt to it very quickly, but the person that scares me is the one that's got confidence without any knowledge. You know, (laughs) I do. You're, you're kind of like, wait a minute, you you need to pay attention. There's a little bit here that you really need to know about because you can hurt yourself, and we don't want that to happen. Well, it's like you're always saying, too, but you got to breathe. Remember to breathe. Yeah. And there's always somebody that goes, hey, I've been breathing all my life. I, yeah. I can remember. But, yeah. no, you get distracted because you're down there, and it's all you're so fascinated that you realize, I haven't breathed in or out here in the yeah. 30 seconds. Well, hopefully not, you know, that kind of thing. Most people get the breathing part, but. It is one of those kind of things to where it's a new environment for everybody. The first time that you do it, it's going to be different from whatever you thought it would be. Mm-hmm. And so it's a matter of putting all that in your mindset and, and just it, it is a very wonderful environment, very peaceful, very calming, that kind of thing. But, you know, there may be something in your history that you're really not aware of that time when your dad threw you in the pool and said, okay, swim, boy. And, um, you know, maybe that didn't turn out so well. And But people put those memories away, and they do come back. Yeah, it's um, just buried so, in there. Yeah. Although I remember, because my brother took us, we got uh, swimming lessons, which I want to get to in a minute, uh, when we were five, six years mm-hmm. old, or, or even earlier than that. And I just remember I never were, I never had a fear of water, per se. Yeah. Uh because uh, I just I guess whoever I was with I always felt secure. Nobody ever played any mean tricks on me, you know, or they right, right, yeah, you know, tried to leave you in the water or make you jump off something you didn't want to jump off of. And and I think that does have a huge impact. A lot of people think you know, the old deal about throw you in the water and let you swim. Yeah, uh, that that could fry somebody's brain forever. That, that can backfire really bad. And then you can, they can never get over that. And that. Which is why I've always said, you know, take it slow and easy and build trust in somebody. And then they're building trust with the water that they're learning how it works and what it can do. And uh, 
Well, it is the thing that you have to go with it. You yeah. know, if you fight the water, it's not going to work out. You have to really go with whatever's going on, the current, the waves, the winds, or simply just relax when you're in the swimming pool and get the feel of what it's like to be in the water. The minute that you start struggling, you're losing the battle. <laughs> and a lot of people just can't get to that space because they don't have enough knowledge. They don't have enough understanding of that interface to feel completely comfortable. I mean, I get in the water and I'm home, you know, that's, <laughs> I'm in that spot. Well, uh, too, I think it's almost like somebody that uh, missed a couple of uh, semesters of math early on and they never had a good bridge to the next step in math and algebra and, and, and if, if you even go back and start over at the very basics and say, I don't know a thing about scuba, I'm going to start at the beginning yep. and find out what it was I missed that has that anxiety still there. Yeah. Uh, they've got a new swimming instructor that's coming on board at the dive shop, and we're going to talk about that uh, when we come back. So stay with us. And welcome back on a Friday afternoon. Do want to give you a heads up on I-240 westbound. Uh, there is an accident there at Poplar and I-240 uh, in the westbound lane. Uh, so that traffic is backed up to oh, around uh, Walnut Grove um, in the westbound. Eastbound is uh, okay. And then there is another accident uh, that's on the I-40 uh, north uh, headed toward downtown. And it is... Uh, Sam Cooper Boulevard and at Graham is the, the other record. I thought it was uh, 240, but Sam Cooper and Graham. So be aware of that. And then there's another one. I think this is Germantown Parkway. Yeah, Germantown Parkway at uh, Bill Morris Parkway. So uh, watch out for that. It is Friday. It is hot, and they're crazy out there. Yep. Uh, we got uh, Randy Ryder at the Dive Shop and Mike Adamson with the the football. Yeah. Good, good combo there, diving yeah, and yeah, football. Yeah, well, great sports. Uh, but we were talking about uh, people in swimming lessons, and that if you don't have a good solid base, it can really affect you the rest of your life. Yeah, well, and I mean, there's a whole lot of people that didn't grow up with access to swimming, and they were told to stay away from water all their lives. I mean, particularly adult swim. That's one of the most difficult things in the world because that has been ingrained in those folks. Mm -hmm. Don't get near the water, you know. You can't swim. Yeah, that's right. And uh, I was just reading Lisa Anderson is our new swim instructor that's coming on board, and she's going to start up in Missouri at um, at Dive Ventures in Springfield going through the, the SSI swim training program to understand how that process works, very much like the dive stuff that we do. It's a slow, progressive introduction to what's going on, and then we speed up as you get more comfortable. Um, so she's coming on board. She's already been teaching in the Memphis area, does a great job, loves teaching adults. We do a lot of adult swim. Um, and uh, she just posted something on Facebook last night that was really, really cool about her experience with three ladies that she taught she was teaching last night, and um, they were terrified. And at the end of the day, or at the end of the evening, they were all three swimming. Wow. Actually swimming, wow. you know, across the deeper part of the pool to the other side. And, and that's how fast it can happen. Yeah. It's just a matter of, of and it, it was all about relaxing. Stop fighting the water, relax, and go with it, because most of us float. If you just take a big breath and hold your breath, you won't sink. And that's the thing. It's like you have to get 
you have to get to where you stop fighting the water. And once you do that, then it becomes not only easy, but a source of big pride and, and enjoyment and all those kinds of things. And these were grown ladies. Yeah. And, but the, the other thing is a lot of people think, well, well I'm, I've got a grandchild, but we're gonna, we'll wait till next uh, spring to teach them because they're not going to be swimming. It's, it's as much about getting them early and teaching mm-hmm. them what they need to know because you never know. They could go on vacation, uh, go to someplace yeah. where there is water. Why would you de- delay uh, something as important as learning to swim for any reason? Well, I mean, uh, mom and me or baby and me, however you want to phrase that thing, yeah, is hugely popular. Great way to spend some really intimate time with your child, introduce them to the water very, very early on. Uh, and then we can actually start the swim lessons at as young as six months. Um, but you know, we usually start off with that bonding kind of thing with, with the parents. It can be dad and me. It doesn't have to be mom and me, uh, with infants, very small children in the water and just kind of getting them used to that whole idea. And then they can learn small skills that, you know, how to float and that kind of thing. And that can happen very, very early on. Uh, once they're a little bit older, then sometimes you do have a, a little bit of fight because they're not comfortable getting in the water. Um, and so then you get the, the one that's standing on the side of the pool screaming. Yeah. And, you know, the next thing that you do is send mom out of the room. Yeah. Uh, you know, would you go upstairs and sit in the classroom and look through the blinds in the window so that we don't have this immediate turn to mom every time that we ask and for he, something. And he sees nothing but fear on mom's face. And right. So that's what. Yeah, or discomfort because yeah. it's usually that mom is mad. But, you know, because I'm paying for these lessons and you're standing on the side of the pool screaming. <laughs> that's what they're actually seeing. Uh, but it, it is amazing the natural abilities that infants have. Mm-hmm. Uh, you think you put them in water and they would they immediately suck it in. And they don't. Mm-mm. No, there, there is something called the mammalian diving reflex. And it's, it's something that comes from our genes. Uh, you know, it goes back to the idea of, of the first thing that happens when you put your face in the water is your heart rate drops. Generally 25 to 30%. It happens in 10 to 15 seconds. Wow. We can put a heart rate monitor on somebody, put a, put a, a pan of tap water doesn't have just has to be a temper, temperature differential have them put their face in the water and within just 10 or 15 seconds you'll see their heart rate drop off and that is the mammal in us preparing to go underwater wow slows your heart rate down slows the amount of oxygen that you're using over any given time and um we all have it it's in us already just like the dolphins and the whales and all those other mammals that are out there in the water. Yeah, because they um, can't teach them. There's no verbal uh, exchange with them. But it's there. Yeah. And it's all a part of our DNA and our makeup physically. Our neurological system is designed to do this, and it includes breath holding. Okay, It includes the idea that you're not supposed to breathe under there. We learn that later. Yeah. <laughs> so... There is a whole lot that's there that, that you can capitalize on if you catch people early enough and or you just give them the knowledge about what's going on. I think a lot of too, uh, people are uh, kind of get anxious over how much it's going to cost me to learn how to scuba dive. And i got to buy all that equipment. You really only need to buy a mask, uh, a respirator, and fins. Well, it's mask, fins, snorkel, and boots. Yeah. 
But you're not having to buy the bell. All this other stuff you can rent wherever you go. But there's just some things you do want to have personalized. And uh, it's it's really not that expensive, especially when you look at the world you're getting ready to step into. Well, it's one of those kind of things where I always ask, what do you do for fun? And somebody will say, well, bass fishing. It's like from the bank with a cane pole. <laughs> I said, man, you got, you got more in one tackle box than it would take for you to have a whole set of diving equipment. And they don't realize yeah, it. Yeah, I bass fish. I know. So, I mean, it's one of those kind of two rods and reels and a, and a tackle box is enough for you to buy a whole set of diving equipment, take the lessons and possibly even go someplace diving. And go someplace you've never been before because you had no idea how to access those places. Yeah. And that's where the dive shop comes in is they take you to these places. You don't even have to know about them. Yeah, well, uh, you know, I can tell you this for sure. Tennis lessons are more expensive than diving (laughs) lessons because I took those too. And you never lose a ball when you scuba dive. That's right. (laughs) Just go back up and it's floating up there. They're bright yellow. You can find them easily. Well, I just think I, I had so many people over the years that you've been coming on uh, come to me and say, so how much yeah, is, is it really expensive? I said, go take a, just an introductory lesson and then ask questions. Yeah. I said, uh, they'll be glad to tell you how much and what you yeah. get into it for. Uh, and this stuff, stuff lasts you forever. If yeah. it wears out, the quality stuff you buy there, they, you get replaced. Yeah, we, we actually back it all up. But, I mean, if you'd like to try it, if it's something that interests you, it's only $50. To come over and try scuba. Give us a call. We'll get you signed up. You do a little bit of entry stuff online to kind of get the idea of the concept. You need a swimsuit, a towel, and a great attitude. You show up at the store for about two hours. We'll have an instructor put you in the water with all the equipment, let you swim around. You don't need anything, again, but a swimsuit, a towel, and a great attitude. We'll take care of the rest. What's the number at the dive shop? Call us at 901-763-3483 or come see us at 999 South Yates. Mike, go get your updated lesson and get back in the water. (laughs) I'll be there. Okay. (laughs) That's it for us. Have a great weekend. Stay cool. It's going to be nicer next week. Let's do it.